0: Hey everybody, it's Pyramids and Trees, the audio version. You can find the illustrated book at pyramidsandtrees.com. Today we're doing chapter 7 and on. It all came from somewhere. Now this is going somewhere, I promise. It all came from our parents, at least for us, They themselves were already mountains of order, of quarks, rolled into atoms, rolled into molecules. So you roll that in, and let's just say that these fine folks gave us all the power that we humans have. Mother Earth and Daddy Son. Now, Mama Earth spun out of his side across the cosmos over 4 billion years ago like a piece of flesh. And here we sit, 93 million miles apart. Now, the ancient storytellers have long had the sense that we were born from the earth. The Native American Apaches, they told of Isanaklesh, the conception of earth as mother. The Phrygians told of Sibyl. The Hindus in India told of Mula Prakriti. And in the Genesis account, in the Near East, Chaba, Eve, is the mother of all the living. She was taken from the side of the dude, Adam. So there was this pre-existing unity, and then the girl was just yanked out. Now, life is born in that thin place where the order from the sun collides with the cold chaos of Earth. The biosphere. Do you know the biosphere is only like a 12-mile thin skin around the Earth? So if the Earth were a basketball... All of the life on the earth, a matter of fact, in the universe, could fit in the thickness of three sheets of paper. It's as if the sun's rays right here on this border impregnate Mama Earth. I know it's gross, but she gets living energy, and it's here that she gives birth to algae, trees, animals, and us. And maybe why, this is why the ancient mythologies insisted on Earth being a she. Fertile that queen is. So essentially, our material resources come from this girl, the earth, but our energy comes from the guy in the sky, the sun. In our lives, are comprised of combining their forces right here in the biosphere into forms of power to create order and then to spend it. You might say that that pretty much sums up all human activity. We might also say that power equals energy resources times energy. So put another way, we get all the mass from the planet that we live on and virtually all of our energy from the sun. 99% of all energy on earth comes from this magnificent ball of nuclear fusion that we happen to sit next to. And Every living thing, including you and I and your boss and your crazy in-law and Washington politicians and your aloe vera plant and your dog and your real estate agent and the coronavirus are all scrambling for a piece of it. Now, take a breath. We're all fighting for earth and sunlight. It's quite the prize, apparently. Now, on one hand, there's a lot of it. It's a big Earth, and Daddy's son continuously smatters her with about 173 quadrillion watts of light energy around the clock. On the other hand, we only capture a tiny fraction of it. And with this little daily dose of photons in this tiny sliver of a biosphere, we make the only life that we know of in the universe. Chapter 8, Life. So we don't know actually how life started. This part is at least as weird as how the universe started, but somehow this quest of order continued past quarks, past atoms with the rise of tiny molecules. So one Wednesday about 4 billion years ago, a molecule named adenine hooked up with its crushed thymines, like junior high gossip. And cytosine and guanine, they swiped left for each other and they were empowered with the energy from daddy's son. These little molecules were born and molecule love ran free. Then the pairs found each other and decided to double date. It was a little more like polyamory. I know this part's gross, but somehow they eventually ended up in this big molecule orgy made a lot of molecule babies. Don't want to know the details, don't understand the details, but this whole thing combined somehow and ordered itself into a self-copying, self-replicating machine called RNA. Mind is blown. Now, consider the following... These molecules were us. Long before we were animals or even bacteria, we were combining energy and resources in apparent pursuit of order and power. And we found this recipe for how to get our precious power. It goes a little bit like this. Uh, Begin with a starter batch of order. That's me, so begin with me add a teaspoon of resource mass from the earth or steal ready-made resources from another ordered thing if possible it's a lot more efficient that way add some energy to it mix it up and digest now there we were little molecules pushing our way up the evolutionary power mountain and push we did powered by earth's molecular food and the sun's energy molecules bonding and surviving to create copies of themselves became more complex every generation. Soon, there were trillions of pairs of pairs of pairs bonding with other elements and making more selves. After a really long climb up the mountain, quarks into atoms, into molecules, nature finally presented us with this, a cell. It was the original self-replicating computer chip that programmed all of life, built on the magnificent order of things below. The cells, the first ones, were probably something like cyanobacteria. We're not really sure, but there she stands, this reproductive mother, the queen of order three billion years ago, the cell. Take a bow, cell. The jewel of her heart was DNA, the engine of life. So for simplicity's sake, let's just say the earth and the sun gave birth to life. I cannot believe I wasted 20 pages of a book for that. But here we are, all of life, bound up and intricately balanced in the blissful state of homeostasis in a cell. Chapter 9, Homeostasis. Now, through trial and error, DNA's descendants got really, really good at making babies. A crucial key of cell's replication was its ability to fix its own internal errors before moving on. This was crucial. Cells and DNA are not only self-replicating, but also self-repairing. A cell must get its own house in order before it's in any condition to go conquer the world or obtain any more power. If it's damaged, if it has missing or disordered organelles or nucleotides, it gets sick and it can't replicate. The, the pyramid that it's built on starts to get holes in it and the cell dies before it reproduces. Now, at its core, each single cell requires homeostasis. So the early life forms they evolved to first have their own molecules in balance before they could go light up the world. And they did. Life spread everywhere. The pattern of self-repair that DNA started became the way of all life and the mandate of evolution. So, the house rules of evolution. Number one, clean your room before you go conquer the world, kids. And number two, uh, go conquer the world. Now, you've got to be healthy in a near-perfect, stable order, or you will die. I mean, you'll die anyways, but if you're healthy, you get to make babies first. Now, DNA is a freaking pro. The worst replication error rate that we found in human DNA, as it makes copies of itself, is only one error out of a hundred, which is like making a 99 on a test, and that's the worst you've ever done. But it could be as little as one in one billion errors. DNA is amazing. Now, to survive the chaos, nature kept busy all these years evolving backup plans and redundancies to get the entire organism stabilized if something was off. It wasn't only DNA that had to self-balance, it was every living thing that would be scaled on it. Every cell has to figure out how to repair cell damage. Every tissue has to figure out how to heal. Every organ and system and organism spent 3 billion years of life and death becoming what many doctors call self-healing organisms. We are homeostasis finders. We are balance keepers. We are chaos order balancers. With every warm-blooded mammal... It's impossibly complex interconnection of hormones, trip sensors, temperature regulators, and balancing mechanisms like cochlea and growth hormones and brain muscle synaptic patterns and oxygen muscle-based heart rate response systems and blood-clotting chemicals. Life is built on top of balance, on top of balance, on top of balance. Chapter 10, The Quest. Successful organic material continued its conquest. Each time it replicated this new order called life, faced the chaos of its random natural environment. The most fitting copies survived to spread. It was like March Madness, DNA versus the universe. In every bracket, order versus chaos, order versus chaos, order versus chaos, DNA versus the world. Each time, Order had to conquer chaos even at the risk of its own death or our entire existence wouldn't be. The force within that searched for order had to be greater than the DNA's own need to survive. It's kind of like love had to be stronger than the fear of death. Poetic, I don't know. The pattern continued. One, get your stuff together. Two, throw yourself out into the world and die making babies. Now Maybe that's why it's a theme of epic movies. Homeostasis, though, can only last so long. Keeping that complex, dynamic organism alive is like trying to perpetually balance a pencil on its tip. It can't last forever in the chaotic, random environment. Cells get damaged and the system comes crashing down to its death. Now, Keeping the big crash from happening is called staying safe and there are lots of ways organisms can do this. But the reality, the reality remains that with a tip of the top of the tower, the entire tower can too easily collapse. A single blood clot can kill an organism. A man texting while driving drifts into the other lane. One tiny mishap at the top, the whole system kerplunks. Avoiding a crash can't guarantee a system to live, though. The traumatic death of a pencil crash is only one way to die. The system can also suffer a death from a thousand paper cuts or starve. This is death from the inside out. So there would always come a time when DNA would brave a chaotic suicidal attempt at propagating life before the pencil fell. It has no other choice. It is the quest that conquers chaos by turning it into order. Epic. So every system braves a roll of the dice. Life evolved as a gamble. Order rolls the dice against chaos and wagers it all to reproduce. Order folded into order, folded into order. Over the long course of history, it continued to win just barely enough that life proliferated everywhere, always kept in check, though, by the threat of chaotic death. Every time order won, it regambled all of its winnings by creating another generation of more powerful life. It was like a cosmic game of double or nothing with the winnings just piling up. So this guy, the cell dying is a way bigger loss than a thymine molecule dying. Over time, order continued its march, getting more and more powerful and more ordered each generation until eventually it expressed itself in what we now call the evolution of biological complexity. There's no such thing as just evolution. There's only co-evolution with life battling chaotic forces. So order evolved like a fractal with each branch of the tree of life defined by each environment's unique situation of chaos. I'll skip a few billion years and let's just say eventually, eventually, eventually this happened. It's the biological family tree and it looks a little bit like... A brain. It's just one giant tree of life. You can Google it to see that everything on Earth is connected. And the fun thing is, 99% of all organisms that have ever lived on planet Earth are no longer even here. Now, the whole time that this tree was happening, a paradox was also growing See, while this chaos order battle of evolution created that weird-looking tree fractal thing, it also simultaneously created an upside-down tree, a hierarchy within each one of us, quarks into atoms, into molecules, into organelles, into cells, into organs, into systems, into the organism that we are, each level of us is in order, in near-perfect balance, and it's folded in to the next to create the giant that you and I are. Now, 75 trillion cells of me typing on a computer, in a room of a house, on a street, in a city, in a country, all on Mother Earth, and it's all bound up in a wonderful state of homeostasis.